I think there needs to be a part of NASA that's dedicated to just making the laser guns because the closer we get to space, we're not truly space rangers until we have laser guns. Space rangers. Yeah, like in Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, he's a space ranger. I haven't seen that, like the Lightyear movie. I've only saw the original Toy Stories. Maybe that's going to be our job is... Before NASA even gives us money, we'll just invent the laser gun and say, "Listen, listen. We know you you're thinking about it. Stuff. We got it here for you. We're only three, asking for three hundred million dollars." One. Welcome back to University, everybody, the podcast where we talk about Earth, existence, and the unknown. I'm AJ Perrin. With me, as always, is... Judson Martin. So today, we're bringing you our 10th episode ever. Yeah, episode 10. We made it to double digits. Mm-hmm. It's been about five months, so I think that means we've stayed on our calendar of every, like, two weeks releases and stuff like that, so... Pretty close. Yeah. All right, perfect. Today, on our 10th episode, we're going to be talking about spacesuits. Specifically, we're going to be looking at some of the new ones that are being designed for NASA's uh, programs that they want to take to the moon and eventually Mars and also just help them keep repairing the ISS. Yeah. I mean, there's a long history of spacesuits. Um, we started all the way back before we even went to the moon and the, like the first man in space, the Russian yeah. cosmonaut. Yep. So there's some pretty interesting stuff. That's the one that looks like he's wearing like aluminum foil. Like it's a giant sweatsuit? Um, I think so, yes. Yeah. There's some that look like that that are before that. Like, So to start things off, like a lot of these spacesuits look like um, diver suits. Yeah. Because they're both designed around the same idea, which is pressure. Right. Um, one of them is designed to keep pressure out, and one of them is designed to keep pressure in. The, the diving suits keep pressure out, and yeah. the, the spacesuits keep pressure in. And That's why those, like, the diving suits are the ones that are made out of... <clears throat> metal like the really old ones you know they just send them down in like a coffin that's terrifying (laughs) but scary and then the ones in space they need to be nice and like resistant to being ripped apart because there's vacuum there's space is a vacuum yeah Yeah. cool well so the spacesuits that are used on the iss now and this is a pretty prevalent topic because just recently within the last couple weeks we've gotten our first glimpses at what these next-gen spacesuits are looking like that a couple of independent contractors have been working on, specifically Collins Aerospace and Axiom uh, Aerospace. And this is important because, like, NASA has kind of moved the development of spacesuits out of house. So they're hiring other people to kind of help them do their work. And so this is part of the reason we're talking about it today is just, like, I'm just now realizing that spacesuits are not an easy thing to make and they're not cheap at all, you know? It's not a new thing for NASA to outsource some of their work. Um, A lot of the... Modules that will go up to the ISS are the new ones are the Dragon modules from SpaceX. SpaceX, cool. So, and SpaceX is also doing spacesuits as well. So, are the Dragon modules the ones that can land themselves too, like upright kind of, or what? What is that program where they've been working so to land the spaceships? The module is the part where that the crew is in. Oh, sure. So that sure. stuff's the... not landing like that. That stuff's landing in the ocean with like yeah. parachutes. The reason that spacesuits are hard to make, so or so the reason we're talking about it today is because. I didn't realize that the spacesuits that they're using for the spacewalks on the ISS, those were designed in the 70s. So when we're seeing those photos of people doing spacewalks, those are the same marshmallows that people have been doing this in for literally like 40 or 50 years. And like I said, it's expensive to keep 
designing new spacesuits. So NASA chose to just keep repairing the old ones. You know, if, yeah. they, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But unfortunately now, a lot of the spacesuits are broke and you can't fix them. So the, the only solution is now we finally are forced to upgrade our suits. Right. Right. So a good place to start, Judd, is let's dive into the history of spacesuits because I know you know a lot about, you know, some how some of those old ones look and how they went from, you know, just part of uh, aerospace engineering into eventually space flight because we didn't, the original spacesuits weren't even meant to go out completely into space. Right. So the first ever quote-unquote spacesuits um, were meant for uh, aircraft pilots, right. uh, military aircraft pilots that were going into the stratosphere, so high altitudes. Um, yeah to stay pressurized when they got out of the atmosphere, pretty yeah. much. Um, so these were part of the Mercury program. Because the cabins aren't pressurized, you're saying? Well, they will lose pressure as right. okay, yeah. in these fighter aircraft. They'll lose pressure as you get high enough up. So That's cool. Yeah. That's a that's a high-altitude dogfight right there. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think they were mainly... I think those were going to be mainly spy planes. Right. Um, or, like, stealth bombers, I guess. And now, certain. now that's transitioned to non... Uh, manned aircraft at this point, those high-altitude stealth fighters, or those... Some of them, yeah. Yeah. So the first actual spacesuit um, was worn by Yuri Garrigan when he went... He was the first human in space, so he orbited the Earth, um, and he wore the first, like, spacesuit that was designed specifically for space. Nice. Yeah, so those were the ones that were, like, the tinfoil-looking um, huge helmet. Right. Like a diver. But he wasn't out in space yet, uh outside of his aircraft, right? At no. that point, he was still just going up in an aircraft. So part of the development cycle of spacesuits has been, how do we literally give people personal spacecraft, essentially? So when they're outside of their own spacecraft, they still are not at the whims of, you know, the nature of space and the right. vacuum and the lack of heat. As NASA is looking towards the future of spacesuits, they have a specific goal in mind, which is, they want to return humans to the moon. They want to continue safe operations on the ISS. And they want to eventually be able to take this equipment out into Mars and, quote, unquote, other deep space locations, which is like we're still looking at our next door planet neighbor. So really looking outside of that seems like very far in the future. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, they want to take these. They want to do as much as possible with these spacesuits, not only what we're doing now, but future operations on other planets. Yeah. Cool. I think, I mean, the first two, the two big, I guess, places that aren't Earth that we're going are the moon and Mars. Right. And then anything outside of that is going to be way past our lifetime. Right. I mean, because the ISS, that's even still in Earth's orbit. Yep. So it's not even completely in the vacuum of space. Vacuum of space. It's still like that spacewalk is a microgravity spacewalk because it still is in orbit of Earth. So the first EMU, and Judd, let's define EMU for the audience. What's an EMU? It's like, uh, those are those, <clears throat> an EMU, <laughs> the EMUs are the suits designed for spacewalks. Yeah, exactly. It stands for extravehicular mobility unit. So that already implies that they're going to be outside of the vehicle when they're working in these spacesuits. So the first design for this EMU was in 1974 by two companies. We had Hamilton Standard and ILC Dover. 
And so these were originally made for the space shuttle program, NASA's space shuttle program. So they went to the moon and they were like, all right, we got to keep making strides here. So they started the space shuttle program and they designed these suits for it. And they had a lot of money and public um, support because they literally just landed on the moon, you know? So they have a lot of money to work with. The Cold War... Exactly. A lot of money, and then the rate, the ten-year race to by the end of the decade. Exactly. So just like I said at the start, how we're still using these suits now that were made forty, fifty years ago. That's part of the reason is because there's just not the same public orientation around space travel. But so these suits for the space shuttle program went into service in 1981, and then ILC Dover later in the 90s created what was known as the Enhanced Edition. So the same suit, but just tweaking a couple things to. Uh, update some of the technologies, make sure they're safe and flight ready. So they've been really reliant on this EMU model for the ISS uh, repair missions, but they still have devoted a lot of resources just over the last you know couple decades into creating new suits. So this first started with the Constellation Space Suit System and the Advanced Space Suit Project. These both focus on developing new suit technologies, and they both started around 2007. The Constellation Space Suit System they stopped funding that around 2015, 2016. But the Advanced Spacesuit Project did give us some pretty cool technologies in terms of the pressure garment systems, which mm. are really important. We'll get into later what are some of these pieces of a spacesuit that helps keep the users alive. Yeah. Eventually, these two projects, the Advanced Spacesuit Project and the Constellation Spacesuit System, would combine into what's known as the XEMU in 2016. That project, which was NASA's most recent one before they kind of outsourced this to other independent contractors. The XEMU was specifically designed for what's known as the Artemis program for NASA. Yep. That's taking them back to the moon, right? Yep. So NASA has a goal to get us back on the moon, and they said, if we're going to go to the moon, we're going to get some new suits. So there have been 12 people that have been on the moon. That was just the Apollo program. But since the Apollo program shut down, nobody has been back since. Which seems so weird. It was. It's like, what was the point of going in the first place? Because you don't seem that interested in it anymore, NASA. So they just wanted to really one-up Russia or what? Yeah, I mean, the Cold War was all about proving who was smarter, who had the better technology. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you really think about it, at the time we did not have the technology to sustain life on the lunar surface. So there wasn't... I mean, all we really could do was go collect some rocks. Yeah. We've been there. And Put some boot prints down, take some small steps for man. Yeah, plant yeah. the flag, and then we headed back. Exactly. But so NASA's reoriented themselves, and they're saying, we're going back. And they, I think their original aim was 2024, but we'll get into that later because uh, that's not a very plausible schedule at this point for them anymore. But NASA was using this XEMU project as, along with these two earlier projects to design these new spacesuits. And between 2007 and 2021, which is when they put out a report on their progress so far, they had spent an estimated $420 million to developing new suits. And estimates from NASA were saying that it's going to take another billion dollars before we get the next operating suit. That's pretty crazy amount of money. That's so much money. Right. I'm not an aerospace engineer, and I'm not going to be overly cocky, but like, I could do a lot with $420 million, Yeah, but, you know, I, I should shut myself down. I don't know if I could get something that can withstand space. Uh, I just don't have the technology or the <laughs> aptitude for that. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about some of the requirements that these spacesuits have to have. What are the conditions that they have to put up sure, with? Sure, sure. Just in terms of general requirements, they definitely need to be mobile because we talked about the diver suits where they send people down and the really old ones, almost like a metal can. You know, yeah. 
These new astronaut suits, these new astronaut suits need to be really mobile because you're going to be either working on the ISS or walking around a lunar surface or Mars. Say an astronaut falls, you know, uh, forwards and catches himself with his hands. If he or she can't get up, then they're stuck like that. Right. So the suits need to be able to, you know, make hinge movements, move the arms and the legs so that they can operate in a multitude of environments, whether right. it's in space or on the surface of a planet. And the reason that that's so difficult um, is because these suits have to be pressurized. Yep. Um, these suits, there aren't, there isn't oxygen, breathable air in space. Yeah. That's pretty obvious. Or on other planets. Or, yeah, there's less amounts of oxygen right. and other important... Um, it's not a breathable air composition. Yes, yeah. yes. So the reason that it's so hard to move is because these suits are pressurized. So if you think of... If you know anything about, like, how pressure works, pressure is dependent on volume. Right. And so if you have a joint, if you have, like, a square joint, like, your arm is like this, if you bend it, you're decreasing the volume that is the suit. The suit's volume decreases when you bend your arm. Right. So the pressure gets greater, and it's harder to move your arm. Yeah, so the more you squish that area by bending a joint and pushing that air all on all sides of the inner piece of that suit, the harder it is to be able to, you know, move it even further. So being able to operate joints and movements with low torque is really important too, because it gets harder, like you said, the more, uh, the more range, the, the greater the range of motion. Right. The, yeah. the further you move your arm, the le- the harder it gets or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. And that extends into the hands too, which we'll get into later, but making your hands have high dexterity is really important with the spacesuit, And it's really difficult. Another thing you're going to need in a spacesuit is good connectivity. So that's not only like being able to communicate with your team, you know, because you need to be able to talk. You're also most likely going to need to be able to relay video information. And for some of these future expeditions, when we have robots or spaceships with a lot of computer technology in them, how can we communicate with these computers and, you know, be a good human AI team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, telemetry is important. So just that's being able to collect and get information on, you know, the status of the spacesuit. So what are your oxygen levels like? What is the CO2 concentration? Do you have a leak somewhere? There's a lot of information that you need, and you have to have a little bit of control over some of those systems, say, you know, temperature to decrease your body temperature if you are, you know, getting a... Right. really hot under that suit and feel like you're going to pass out or something. So a couple of things on that. So telemetry is just the exchange of data, like sending the data back to, say, the ground. Exactly. Say to Houston. Houston. Houston, we got a problem. That's something we're going to avoid, though. Let's not have a problem. Yeah. Houston, we're doing good. Thank you for the telemetry. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, like, why are these suits getting so hot? And that's because as you move out of Earth's atmosphere, for example, on the ISS, you're pretty much out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you are out of it. Um, you have no protection from the sun at all. Exactly. So those rays are extremely powerful. Exactly. They're super hot. And so these suits are often cooled through like a liquid cooling system. Yeah, which is hilarious because you think of liquid cooling system, you think of like a gaming PC or yeah. something. But no, we're going to put this inside your spacesuit. It's a real expensive gaming PC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple hundred million dollars at least. In terms of the components of the spacesuit, there's just a couple main subgroups of components. So we've got the PLSS, or Portable Life Support System. That's got a couple functions, including maintaining your body temperature, like Judd was just saying, a cooling system, 
Uh, you want to be able to provide oxygen to the user, and you also want to remove carbon dioxide because, you know, as you're exhaling, you're yep. removing carbon dioxide, and you got to get that out of there so they don't asphyxiate. Then you've got the pressure garment system, which we've also mentioned so far. So that's maintaining the pressure on the astronauts since they're in a vacuum, you know? Yep. Because otherwise, like you were saying about pressure, it's dependent on volume. So it would constantly feel like they're getting pulled apart, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, so they need to be able to maintain pressure on the astronauts so that they're able to do their operations without feeling like that. And part of the the other part of the reason for, like, the pressurized is the same reason when you go up in the aircraft, you have the pressurized cabin. There yep. is not enough air. Well, in space, there's no air because there's a vacuum. Right. But if you go in the airplane, there's just not enough air at that atmosphere to provide you enough oxygen to, to breathe. Yeah. When we go on spring break here, I'll be up in a plane, and I'm really not looking forward to that feeling you always get where your feet feel like they're filling up your shoes and, like, pushing against... You know what I'm talking about? Maybe a little. Eat up in the cabin, and it feels like, <laughs> oh, man, it's just... There's a lot of pressure in your ears. Start clicking, yeah. all of that. Your ears would be doing a lot more than clicking if we didn't have a pressure garment when you're in space. So very thankful for all the engineers working on that. And then finally... Because you go to space all the time, Oh, right? yeah, well, I mean... In the future, when yeah. it's just like my commute, uh -huh. yeah, for sure. Uh -huh. I, I'm, I'm going to need a good pressure garment <laughs> system. I'm going to have the highest class. I'm going to get a Nike pressure garment system once they start branding it and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. So last component we've got is the gloves, and they have a lot of parts to it. Not only do they have heat regulators, so they've got metal wires and gold foil in a couple places to keep your hands warm. There's also a restraint layer to keep the gloves conform to the size and shape that the astronaut wants because not everybody's hand is the same, and it just helps increase comfort when we can kind of tailor that. There's a lot of pulleys and strings. If you ever look up a picture of an astronaut glove kind of taken apart, yeah. it's going to ha have a bunch of strings and wires in it. It's really, really complex. And then it's also got what's known as a thermal micrometeoroid garment, which is really long-winded, but basically just saying a protective layer. So if something fast traveling in space, because when you're orbiting uh, with the ISS, things are flying at you like particulate matter and stuff yeah. like that or pieces yeah. of metal really fast. And so you want to make sure that doesn't cut through your glove and open a hole in your spacesuit, right? And that's really hard to prevent. One yeah. interesting fact is like a tiny pebble. So like when there have been instances where some of our satellites have collided with each other mm -hmm. um, because space is getting really crowded. We have a lot of machinery up there. And the range where you can keep something in Earth's orbit as far as, like, how high it has to be is pretty small. Mm -hmm. um, as you get lower, it has to go a lot faster, which isn't sustainable. And as you get higher, it's trickier to keep it from just floating, floating away. away. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of the stuff is at, like, the same height level. Yeah, because so it's, it's not entering or exiting that point. It's just staying within that orbit. Yeah. yeah. So these things, a couple of them have collided, and there's a, a lot of space debris. Yeah. Um, and that stuff is still going the same speed and still orbiting Earth instead of falling down mm -hmm. because it's keeping the same amount of energy that it had before the collision. Yeah, exactly. So, these tiny little space debris, something the size of a grain of sand, is able to puncture the the walls of the ISS. So, like, this is a big issue that they have, and they have to, yeah. that's the majority of the repairs that they do is due to this space debris. Yeah. it's They're going to have missions in the future here where they're going to have to think about how are we going to remove all this stuff mm -hmm. from the, you know, 
the exosphere. Is that the exosphere at that point when you're that far yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like like those those ones out of the grain of sand that you can't detect that. Like yeah, that's just going to be an issue that we have to deal with and expect that those are going to crash into stuff. So here's my thought: we take a bed sheet, you and I, and we cover it with this thermal micrometeoroid garment. Right, and we just go up there and we hold it between each other, and we just kind of catch all this stuff, you yeah. know. And we'll be like the garbage men for space, and NASA will pay us. Mm, garbage men, <laughs> Garb- my dream. See, but that's, nothing wrong with the garbage man. Nothing wrong with the garbage man, and that won't catch any eyes on a resume until you tell them that story. Yeah, I catch space garbage. That's true. Nice. I would hope I'd be able to get a job at a regular garbage service. If I <laughs> yeah. had the space. Yeah. On there. my resume. Yeah. Joe, do you want to go for a break? Yeah. All right. All right. And we're back from the break. So I've already mentioned that NASA has pooled a ridiculous amount of money into designing new spacesuits because they've been using spacesuits that are dated in the 70s, you know? Yep. We had 18 of these suits originally made for the space shuttle program, these EMUs, and there are only four left now, and they're all on the ISS. And so we're trying to take people back to the moon and beyond, even to Mars, so we are in dire need of making new spacesuits. Right. In fact, two interesting stories. So when they were going to do the, f- the first women's only spacewalk, they actually had to postpone it because they didn't have the right-sized torso because it... Everything mm. is in short supply in terms of spacesuits, yeah. so they had to postpone it and send one up to make sure it fit the astronauts correctly. Yeah, a lot of these, because these suits are so expensive, a lot of them are one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. They, they build one, and they hope that everyone can fit into it. Exactly. So that's one of the requirements when you're becoming an astronaut is, can you, you fit in the spacesuit? Yeah, and so in the future, when we have a much more diverse group of you know, astronauts in terms of race and gender and all these factors— we have to be able to not have such restricting thresholds for who can be yeah. in a spacesuit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So we only have four spacesuits left, and even those are really struggling. There's actually a horror story that I uh, think of. There was a European space guy named Luca Parmitano, and he's doing a spacewalk. Spacewalks are not an easy task, mm. right? It's not just like you're out in space kind of floating around and relaxing. Mm. You're spending seven hours, eight hours out there, you know, yeah. working in space. So that's, it's definitely already a frightening experience. But this, what were we going to say? Well, that's just to, and like that seven, eight hours is just to repair like a couple, maybe like one or two pieces. Yeah, because imagine how much longer work is going to take you in zero gravity. You have to make sure all your tools stay put like yeah. in your pouch on your side or whatever. And you've got these giant bulky gloves that you're working with. So there's a lot of factors that make this work already very hard. But now this guy named uh, Luca Parmitano, European astronaut, he reported that his head or his helmet had started to fill with water. Yikes. And so when you're in space, it's zero gravity. So this water isn't just pooling at the bottom of his helmet. It's running right down the front of his face. And they measured it was almost one and a half liters of water filling the front of the spacesuit. And they say the only reason he survived was because of his calm demeanor mm. and his ability to, you know, stay cool in that situation as they pull him inside and, you know, rip off his helmet and there's still water, like, attached to his face because it's all happening in zero G. Yeah, so, like, one, like the water, I don't know if you've ever seen, if you see, watch a video on 
people working in the ISS, water yep. just clumps together due to its strong bonding. Yeah. yeah, molecular forces. So it stays close together. If water, water essentially gets stuck to you. So they yeah. shower in like a weird way. But. Yeah. <laughs> Great videos online of them showing how they eat or drink or shampoo their hair even. Yeah. And they just kind of do it standing out in the open because they don't got to worry about their water running anywhere. You can, no. all, you can capture it all. It just stays where it's poured. Yeah. It's Which, weird. Yeah. No, really cool. But not cool if it's in your helmet. That water leakage was part of the wa- a leak in the water cooling system that had started pooling up in his helmet. So as you can see... These spacesuits are in desperate need of not only repair, but just they need to be completely thrown out. And we need to bring some new ones in and in some big numbers, too, because we can't just operate with four spacesuits left from the 1970s for the, you know, the remainder of our projects on the ISS. Yep. So there's two different kinds of suits. Um, The first one is an intervehicular activity suit. So this is anything going on inside of the aircraft. Right. Um, the majority of these are really only for, um, uh, like, launch and re-entry. Right. Um, if you've seen people on the ISS, they're not wearing spacesuits all the time. Yeah, they're just wearing, like, other... Yeah, they don't wear their Because it's pressurized. Inside. Right. They, exactly. It has its own atmosphere. Yep. So, the, uh, then the other kind is the EVA, extravehicular uh, activity suit, which is for anything outside the spacecraft, these spacewalks or missions on mars or the lunar surface yeah um and then the ones for mars and the lunar surface are also different than the emus which are more for space walks exactly so i mentioned earlier that nasa has started a new project in 2016 the XEMU project and judd can you tell us a little bit about maybe the goals of that project or what the results were yeah so Cause they pooled they pooled 230 million since yeah. two since 2016, just from 2016 to 2021, right into this suit. So, and like, if you know, like NASA's budget is very not very big. It's less than if you took the government's money and uh, put it into a dollar. Yeah, the NASA's funding is less than a penny. So yeah. we they do not get a lot of money for these super huge projects. So 240 million dollars is a lot of money for them. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying we need another Cold War, but we need something to kind of inspire some funding. Right. And like the whole reason the Cold War got all that attention and the whole reason that these things got funded was um, the 10-year plan. They said, we want to get to the moon yep. by the end of the decade. Yeah. So that was super cool. And A lot like, of ambition. Yeah. That was one of the best times for science and, and like information gathering. Yeah, absolutely. Of all time. A lot of people working really together. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways... The EMU project, because that was $240 million and it took too long, NASA said, okay, we're not going to be able to do this ourselves. We need to outsource this. Outsource yeah. this. Um, so they outsourced both the I, the IVA and the EVA um, suits. Right. So SpaceX ended up taking over the IVA. Yeah, and they've done a really good job with that. If you've seen them, they're pretty sweet. They're they look super like, slick. Uh, so one interesting fact about them they were designed by a hollywood um costume artist yeah which is awesome because like imagine you know there's a lot of kids that think dream about being superheroes when they're younger but just to know that they're literally if they were to become an astronaut donning a quote-unquote superhero costume to go to work it's pretty sweet they look a lot to me like the suits in interstellar just in terms of how slim they are to the body now interstellar 
their IVA suits and their um, EVA suits are the same. Yeah. So they wear the same one inside the cabin, cabin and outside the cabin, which c- could be a future possibility, certainly. Yep. But yeah, so right now Tesla has made some pretty sleek looking SpaceX. SpaceX. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Tesla, SpaceX. Yeah. Just Elon, that guy. Yeah. The helmets are 3D printed, which is also really cool because that means they're easily manufacturable. Yep. And scalable for individual person. So these boots are custom made for each person, which mm-hmm. is different than those other suits, which have to be one size fits all. And but those are generally EVA suits are generally going to be that way just because of how expensive they are. Yeah. They have a lot more technology going on. Yeah. So with the IVA suits too, some of the old ones that NASA's had in the past, they have a lot of different systems. They've got the oxygen, they've got the cooling, they've yep. got a bunch of different essentially tubes running up and down. But Judd, that's not the case in the SpaceX suit anymore. Right. The SpaceX suit has this small port on its leg, essentially the size of like a wall outlet or something like that, where everything plugs in. Um, so the oxygen and the the water cooling system is all plugged in while the astronaut is sitting in their chair during launch and reentry. Yeah. Imagine you could plug a single USB port into your computer and you have your keyboard, your mouse, and your charging all sure. set up essentially. Yeah. yeah. Which that's a good idea. <laughs> Let's get on that, Judd. I mean, that's basically already made. Yeah, I mean they have the splitters, but like that's a lot not of as big. There's, yeah. It's not as small, I mean. Yeah, exactly. But so they're really sleeking things down and making things a lot more user friendly and adaptable to different sizes of astronauts, which is really cool. And they've actually tested some of these suits just in some of their launch programs, which is really cool. Yes having people get to wear these and get to try them out. Yeah, these dragon, they're called the dragon suits. They're pretty sweet. I think dragon is such a cool name for like all their stuff, the crew dragon module and then the crew dragon suit. Yeah. So, so sweet. And it breathes fire when it launches. So they got, they got the whole moniker (laughs) down. It's basically a dragon. Yeah. But so aside from the IVA suits, we've also got NASA now since 2021, they had put out a report just analyzing what they had found through the XEMU program and those other two programs, the Constellation in the Advanced Spacesuit Project before they have kind of pulled these findings and said, listen, this is where we're at. This is how much money we've spent, and we still are we're aiming at this goal for 2024. None of that's feasible now, and so they had to reevaluate how are we still going to get to the moon soon, mm-hmm. and how are we going to build new spacesuits to you know, help astronauts carry on all their activities? And so they said, we're going to outsource them. They looked they had two, they said, we're going to spend $2.3 billion between now and 2034 to design the best new spacesuits for our next, you know, interstellar adventures. And so hmm. they gave, I think it was just north of $200 million to Axiom Space Technologies. Yeah. And they told Axiom, we need a suit for the lunar surface and we need one for Mars, yep. you know? Because these, these suits require like, Different things than the spacewalk suits. Exactly. Because walking on the lunar surface and stuff, there's lots of jagged rocks and edges. So these, they have to be tear resistant. Yep. The boots require a different, I mean, they have to have boots to walk on a surface. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they found it wasn't feasible to say in this XEMU project, we can build a suit that's going to be both for spacewalks and for the lunar surface and for Mars. You know, they're finding that that is much more difficult than anticipated. And so they gave a specific direction to Axiom and say, this is what we're going to use this suit for. This is when we need it by, and here's two, $230 million. Yeah. Go crazy. 
Now, Axiom hasn't given any details on their spacesuit. Collins, on the other hand, has given us a glimpse into what, you know, the future of space technology, excuse me, Collins has given us a glimpse into what the future of space technology looks like. So Collins is designing the portable life system. ILC Dover, who's partnering with Collins, is designing the pressure garment. And Oceaneering, also partnering with Collins, is going to be designing the spacesuit and vehicle interface capabilities. We've got a couple of companies working together to bring us a new spacesuit to use outside of the ISS. Yeah. And so Collins has given us a nice look into what this looks like. Collins has a big history with helping NASA as well design their spacesuits because they designed the original Apollo spacesuits and the Space Shuttle EMU spacesuits. Hmm, I didn't know that. Exactly. Yeah, so those current EMUs that are used for spacewalks, Collins has some stake in that. That's neat. Yep. Collins is also doing a really good job right now of scaling down how heavy these spacesuits are. The original ones that were designed in the 70s, Judd, how much do you think they weigh on Earth? The whole the whole suit. On Earth, the whole suit. Yeah, without without the astronaut in it. Without the astronaut, I would say upwards of 300 pounds. It's, yeah, it's 275, so you're really close. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're 275 pounds on Earth, so you can imagine having that much mass on your body. Obviously, that's not as big of a factor when you're in space, but just being able to handle these things is a lot harder because they have more mass, therefore they have a greater momentum. So being able to decrease the weight of these spacesuits also is going to decrease how much it costs or how much fuel they have to use to launch these things into space, you know? Yeah. Makes it much ease, more easily operable. Part of the reason NASA is, has outsourced this work too is because they think it's going to drive competition between companies and kind of keep this cost for the government down because they only have so much money to work with. And they say, look, if we give this to other people and have them, you know, put their minds to it, it's going to make the spacesuit market a little more commercialized and make it a little more competitive rather than have it, rather than have it just be this private sector thing that NASA is working on. Sure. Yeah. Not only is the spacesuit lighter, but it has a greater field of view, which is really important because when you are up in space, you want to be able to turn your head and not just see the wall of your visor, but you want to be able to see, you know, clearly off of one of your shoulders, which is really important. The torso is also adjustable. So Judd, like you said, these torsos are kind of one size fits all. If we can adjust these torsos, we don't have to manufacture as much to fit a wider um, range of astronauts. Like one thing I was just looking up, um, to, to put things in perspective, to, in order to send one pound of cargo to space, it yep. costs $10,000. Yeah. So every single object you're sending has to be optimized for its weight because mm -hmm. it's expensive and we want to put the right stuff up there. Yeah. As much as we can. So if we can decrease, you're saying if we can decrease these suits even from 275 pounds to 175, we've already saved $100,000. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're thinking that, you know, 275 doesn't seem like that much, you're just tossing on like maybe a couple kids on the run with you, like that's not easy to do whatsoever. No. So any way they can scale down, you know, the cost of not only manufacturing, but just operation of these spacesuits and all of their space technology. It's really, really important when you're working with launching things. Another interesting kind of like fact um, about like space exploration and travel and stuff is I believe the astronauts aren't necessarily set, like given like a bag of in terms of space that they can like bring their own objects with them. I think it's a weight limit. 
Really? So like when you're traveling like on an airport over, your carry-on has to be this size. But yeah. for space, I guess your carry-on just has to be under a certain weight limit, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, so you could have a really big bag, but just nothing in it, you're saying? I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I think the weight is the bigger factor rather than the... Yeah, they don't space. care about size. They care about weight. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So let's see. Okay. Judd, you talked about earlier how the sun's a really big factor when you're up in space. You were yep. saying that's part of the reason we need the cooling system is because it gets really, really hot. Up right, there. and you also have to worry about... So one interesting fact on some of these spacesuits, there is the... Uh, if you look at images, the, the face covering or the... What is it called? Like the... Visor. The visor. Um, the visor is it's not see-through. It's like black or purple. Um, yeah. And this is because it's blocking out UV light because the sun will give off UV light exactly going through the atmosphere. Yep. So with these new Collins aerospace suits, they have nice protective visors that do that same job. They protect not only from the sun's glare, but from the sun's radiation because we don't want to be <laughs> radiating our astronauts as they go do their extravehicular activities. Yeah. They'll get fried. Exactly. The Collins suit also has really great mobility. I think I just posted to our social medias a video just kind of demonstrating some of this mobility. So astronauts can be stooping down, getting up from being on their knees, reaching down on one knee or squatting. They're also playing soccer, which is kind of cool. I mean, yeah. he's just kicking the ball around. Yeah, he's kicking the ball around, like dribbling it in his <laughs> spacesuit, which is really impressive, actually. They have to have a really good working window. So essentially, where can they move their hands? Yeah. How... How much do I need to, how close do I need to get to an object that I'm working rather than having to be, have it be right at the center of their chest? It can be off to the side and they can still reach it without, like you were saying, that pressure of the suit pushing Mm -hmm. back on their limbs. Another like design um, element that has to go into it is these suits um, have to be able to, you have to be able to get in and out of these suits. Uh, These suits are so like intricate. Yeah, and then they're so difficult to, like, climb in and out of. It takes an entire team of people to get these astronauts in them. I have a fear that I don't know why this is a fear of mine because I don't see myself becoming an astronaut. (laughs) I'm certainly too tall to be an astronaut, but – or maybe not with the new spacesuits. Hopefully hopefully they can adjust to a a big guy. But um, one fear I have is that – I would get stuck in a spacesuit, like all my t- crew members die, and then I'm just in the spacesuit. I can't get out because they're really. It's not like taking right. off any it's other difficult. clothes. Um, so, like, I don't know if you've seen like pictures of spacesuits, especially these old ones. They have a lot of, like metal rings that yep. attach your head, and then as well as the backpack um, with the life support system on the back. Yeah. Um, so, like, somebody has to physically unlock these hinges on the those metal rings yep. in order for you to get out. So if you got stuck and you didn't have anyone there for you, you're pretty And screwed. you don't have the mobility to bring your hands up to your head, yep. then you're not going to be able to get out. There, you'd have to somehow get back in the, get back in the, um, the ISS, for yeah. example, if you're up there. You have to by get back yourself. in the ISS by yourself. And then you have to like, cut open suit. the suit. You would really just have to stab it and cut through all that you know, hardened or coated layers of fabric and metal and all that stuff. I think my first thing would be I'd probably want to take a glove off if I could just to have a hand exposed and have that dexterity. But it would not be an easy task whatsoever, but hopefully in the future it certainly would be. Yeah. So, like, to explain kind of, like, how these – so how they get in and out of the spacecraft or the ISS is kind of interesting. So there is – 
essentially like a little cabin or like a a zone, a depressurizing zone where they'll come in, they'll open one door, the astronaut will come in that door, then they'll close it. That's the door that goes out to space. And then there's another door. They'll Before they open that door, they have to pressurize the the room that the astronaut's in. Because they just open the door to space. So right. it's not, there's no pressure anymore. If you've seen, like Star Wars, when they shoot open, if you're in a spacecraft and you shoot a, like a hole in it, you're going to get sucked out yep. because the the low pressure will suck you out. Exactly. Low pressure or nearly no pressure yeah. whatsoever. So, yeah, exactly. If you want kind of a visualization of what it's like to be in a spacesuit, think about making a suit of armor out of PVC joints. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's I feel like that's a great way to think about it because you don't re- it is not really comfortable. There's whole teams of engineers that are assigned just to make these spacesuits more comfortable and user-friendly because yeah. you've got metal joints and PVC-like structures essentially on your arms that are always restricting your movement. So it's not easy to be in. A lot oh. of the – oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I just saw – so like when I was kind of researching and stuff, I saw a lot of these suits have – a lot of the older suits have like these – like essentially like a big sphere around the joints mm-hmm. to the – to account for that movement where you or like the problem where when you bend your arm it bends and the volume decreases if yep. you have a circle there like a ball joint the uh it gives the, the air space to move the volume wouldn't change exactly they do the same thing actually when they're designing the gloves so Judd, if i need to make a custom glove for you yeah. i'm going to want a mold of your hand and so after i get a mold that looks exactly like your hand i put it on my shelf no i'm kidding what (laughs) no i'm kidding so i'm gonna want a mold of your hand and so i'm gonna take a mold of your hand and just like your elbow joints or your knee joints you have multiple joints in your fingers and if you want to bend these and be able to grab things or pick up things that same thing that decrease in volume when you bend your joint it's gonna be pushing air really tight up against the knuckles and so you're gonna want extra space so what they do with these moles is kind of add spheres to all the tips of your joints so you have that when they finally make your glove you have that space to bend your fingers without having to worry about you know the pressure pushing back on those joints and it's still very limited so like in the majority of them you're not able to bend like the highest knuckle on your finger yeah so it's really just this these bottom two so it's kind of you're kind of like that you're limited i wish everybody that's listening to this could see you (laughs) see us both Wiggling our fingers just like this for yeah. the last two minutes. But, yeah, it's... So there, there isn't really a lot of, like, curling like this. It's more like that, if yeah. that makes sense. So it's kind of like you, you can't curl... You can't ball your fist. You can't make a fist in the spacesuit. You can only, like, close it in like you're an alligator. Exactly. Like, kind of chomp down on the <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so it's not... Using your hands even is hard. You know, if you yeah. thought bending your elbows or your shoulders or anything would be hard, or bending down... Your fingers have that same lack of motion, which would be just just make me go crazy. I don't. I really don't think I. You know, it's not a claustrophobic situation, but it kind of feels like that. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So really hope or it's really nice that this new Colin suit and this new Axiom suits that are being designed understand some of the limitations that we've experienced in the past, and so as we're moving forward, we're developing things with greater mobility, especially with the Colin suit even. You may have thought, like, why do they need to be able to 
stoop down? Why do they need to be able to squat? Yeah. Because these were being designed for the ISS, as I said. Well, Collins has kind of taken it upon themselves to not only design these for the ISS, but look towards putting it on the lunar surface and look towards putting them on Mars. So really trying to make something that's very well-rounded and going to be applicable in a lot of situations, which is great because the less suits that we need, the less manufacturing that needs to be done. One of the reasons, I might add this in later, but one of the reasons we've needed new suits in the first place is because we have spent a lot of time repairing the old suits from the 70s, but a lot of the parts that we're starting to need are no longer in production. Mm -hmm. So we can't rely on just repairing these for forever because it's being all of the equipment is being phased out. Yep. So we are f- kind of forced, not only if we want to get to the moon and by how much funding we have, but we are forced by the amount of backup parts that we have to start making our own. Well, and it's, I mean, I think it's a good thing because we've made a lot of new leaps in technology. So it, it's good to upgrade and, and get new stuff. Yeah, certainly. The only reason we haven't upgraded yet so far, NASA's certainly been trying, you know, pooling yep, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, it's absolutely the price and, you know, how much resources they're allocated, you know. Yeah, and the nice thing, like, SpaceX, before NASA announced that, hey, we're going to outsource this, we can't do it ourselves, SpaceX was already making their own suits. Mm-hmm. Um, so they already had, like, a step above the rest, I guess, and yeah. those IVA suits were kind of already being produced. So SpaceX is certainly making many, many strides in terms of space exploration. Yeah. It's one cool. of the best companies that is working right now to I'd make this the technology. Best, yeah. yeah. Yeah, certainly the best. Another danger that this Collins suit helps to mitigate is particulate matter. You talked about sand being able to rip through a wall in the ISS. Yeah. We don't want the sand to rip through somebody's suit, you know? Yeah, they'd be dead. Yeah, exactly. So we need to not only protect against things in space that might bump into them, but also if Collins was to take their suits to the moon or to Mars, a lot of dust. And that dust is very easy or very good at intruding into the suit and getting in the cracks and crevices of the suit. So they have coated the outside of the Collins suit to protect against fast-traveling dust and particulate matter to avoid this danger. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the the dust on the lunar surface and stuff isn't going to puncture the suit. Um, no. Because it's, it's not gonna, traveling as fast as the stuff, right. like, puncturing the ISS. Yeah. So. It's not puncturing it. It's more just, like, it's kind of like if you have Build up sand in a beach towel, yeah. you yeah. know? Exactly. Uh, Judd, do you want to take a break now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Space. Space. <laughs> so, like, okay, there have been some pretty cool designs. Like we said, the SpaceX suit, the Dragon suit, was designed by a Hollywood actor or a Hollywood costume, um, designer. costume designer. Same guy who did Wolverine, Captain the America, Batman. the Batman. And I'm telling you, next year for Halloween, I will be the Batman. <laughs> if I want to be a superhero, all I need to do is sign up for SpaceX. There you go. And they'll let me put on one of their dragons. You just have to sign up. There's just, not like a big list or... No, no, no. It's as easy as enlisting in the Army. <laughs> you yeah. just put your name on a document and send it in. And they're like, come hop on board. Maybe you could get on Space Force. Oh, yeah. Wait, that, I forget that's even like... <laughs> I thought... I forgot that wasn't just like a satire that Netflix made with Steve Carell. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I watched a couple episodes. That's funny. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's, that's a real like thing. Actual... There's only... 
I believe there was, I don't know how many classes I've gone through. I I was paying attention, like, the first class had made it through recently, like, yep. their, their basic training and stuff like that, so. What is the point of Space Force? It's just, I mean, the idea that as technology develops and stuff like that, space could be, like, a place where, like, we have the Navy for the ocean and we have the Army for mm -hmm. the, the Earth. We'll need something for space as war moves out there, which would be really unfortunate, but... Yeah. So that was enthusiastic. So some of these spacesuits, they're for a while they've like changed colors too. Yeah. So we had like the tin can type of guy who was mm -hmm. like the diver and he yeah. he looked stupid. And yeah. then we went to these orange suits. Yeah, the, the pumpkin ones. Yeah, the bright orange, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that makes me think of the X-wing pilot suits in Star Wars. Yeah. They the ones when they get in the X-wings, they've got the orange suits on. I don't know what the purpose of the orange was. It's high vis in case the aliens like accidentally <laughs> run into them. Their traffic cone. Yeah. It was a highlighter. That's funny. So you just want to talk about the color of the sit? Yeah. But now we've gone <laughs> to white. Yeah. And white that's is cool. pretty cool. I think white is cool. It like matches the moon vibe. But once they go matte black, full black. Oh, it's over. Game over when the space is that's going to look so yeah. good. For real. Or we could just go like golden. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get it to look like. Armor. The more Blacked it looks like out would be sick. Yeah, black Batman. shoulder pads and like, like armored plates and stuff like that. That looks sick. That'd be sweet. I can't believe we're in a milli. I know. I can't believe we say that that's a, not a significant amount of money when we're talking about the U.S. budget. You know what I'm saying? Right. Hundreds of millions of dollars. If you gave me a hundred million dollars, you'd never hear from me again. Yeah. Ever. I'd be gone. Where would you go? Uh, no, my mom would probably want me to go to school. No, that doesn't matter what your mom wants. Where are you going to go if you have $300 million? Oh. If you build the new space suit, you get the check. Where are you going? I'll just incur the cost that it would to put me on a space shuttle, you know, because I weigh 170, the so shuttle. it's like times, what was it, 1,000? You, you can do that. Oh, what's his name? The British guy who's just flying people up there for money. Oh, yeah, the one that looks like a... No, that's... I thought the Amazon guy built a... Space rocket. Well, okay, right Bezos was looking to do, Blue Origin was looking Blue to Origin. do that as well. Yeah. They were going to do, like, commercialized space flight or whatever. But there's a guy in, I can't remember if it's, I think he's British. I don't think it's Australian, but it's one of the two. And he has a company um, where you can just fly up there, and it's, like, $500,000. But what they actually end up doing is they take a celebrity up there um, to, like, because the whole idea is to popularize it and to yeah. get people interested about space and then, like, mm -hmm. excited about the idea of commercial space flight. So they take a celebrity, and then they take one rich person who's willing to pay. Yeah. 500000 You can go up, and you just do a low Earth orbit. Yeah. So it, you're not – I mean, you do get out of the orbit or, or out of the atmosphere, and, and you're in space, but you're not, you're not going anywhere like the ISS or anything. So. That would look sick just to be able to look out the window and see the flat Earth. You get to say, yeah, the flat earth, yeah. Oh, boy. Here we go. What's the scene from, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy, Peter Quill flies out with his visor on, mm -hmm. and he's fine. Yeah. And he doesn't have anything under his neck, like, protecting his body aside from his clothes, but he's fine. Granted, he's, like, a half-celestial or celestial or whatever you want to call it, uh, so he's got a little bit of power, but there's just no getting around the fact it would kill you it would kill anybody it doesn't matter it's just gonna the way that matter is going to interact in that vacuum with no heat you know there's no surviving it not even if you're Leia Organa 
in what was that the ninth one or the eighth one or something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, but no. It's it's less about the fact that you'd get you wouldn't get ripped apart. Right. It, it's there's just no you would you would yeah you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be able, able to breathe. breathe. That's the yeah. thing. That's the that's what would kill you. And it's really fucking cold. <laughs> it, I wonder what it would be like because it's different than if you suffocated. For example, like if you got buried underground. You or in a coffin, for example, mm-hmm. you would die because you'd run out of oxygen, but you could still feel like, like when you breathe in, you still feel like particles going through your nose. Like you can feel air going through there. Yeah. But there you in a vacuum, there's literally no, it's like if you tried to, you wouldn't even be able to Because all breathe, the air like would be out of your lungs. Yeah. Because there wouldn't be any air in your lungs. They would be completely. Compressed. Deflated. That's, that's pretty awful. That's a horrible way to go. Hopefully quick though, right? It wouldn't be that. Maybe 30 seconds or something. I think I've watched... I think it'd be the same. You've watched people... No. <laughs> no, I've watched videos where people like try to explain how long would it take for you to asphyxiate or die uh, or whatever. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen those. Yeah. I mean, I just however long... I don't know how long it takes for your body to run out of oxygen. I mean, if you've seen like the world record breath-holding guy did it for like 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, how would you? You have to be able to calm your body down so much to not use need energy. oxygen. Yeah, I don't know. I'm too hyperactive to make that work for me. But yeah, probably. Let's wrap it. I want to tell the people who are listening so bad about no nope. big news. We got I'm big news gonna. coming. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a lot of them already might even know, but probably not, like not all of them, but a chunk of them because a lot we, a lot of our viewers are our friends. And we, I can't keep my mouth shut. I'll tell you that much. No, not with this either. news. You, all I'm saying is if you're listening to this, you're going to want to listen to the episode in about three, two or three episodes from now. Yeah. Two or three. It's going to be a big one. The biggest, like the biggest moment in our podcast ever is coming. Yeah. I just can't wait for that. But in the meantime, we'll just keep. The biggest moment as of now. Hopefully not the biggest moment of all time. But like. No, no, no. Well. The biggest, the biggest moment. big. The biggest moment will be when we, when we do the podcast in the dragon (laughs) shuttles or whatever. We're up in space and we're like, yeah, guys. So we're basically looking at Earth right now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode on spacesuits. We're going to be right back with you in two weeks from now to talk about another interesting topic that we haven't selected. Because that's the most fun part is you don't know what's going on and neither do we. Yep. All right, cool. We're going to see you later. Make sure to check out our Instagram or any of our social medias to find all of our content. Otherwise, we'll see you right back here in two weeks. We have a lift